Hey, I'm Stephen Povatter, the lead minister at Central Church of Christ in Little Rock, Arkansas. Our goal as a church is to follow Jesus together. So we gather on Sunday mornings for Bible study at 9 a.m. and worship at 10:15 a.m. And you'd always be welcome to join us. To learn more, go to arcentralchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon. Good morning. So glad that you are all here today. It's such a special day for us, and I'm uh, I'm grateful I'm grateful for that. Hey, Lou, can you come up here real quick? And um, I just want to pray for you. We usually pray for folks after they're baptized and do that year at the start. Let's all pray together. Oh, Lord God, we are grateful for this uh, day. We're grateful for Lucy's commitment to you in baptism. And God, we're grateful for her witness here before us this morning. God, we pray that you would be with her, that you would bless her by your Holy Spirit. God, we pray that you would use the things that you have given her as gifts of your spirit, the love and the joy that are a part of her life, the insight that she has. God, we pray that you would use that to be a blessing to the people of God and to our neighbors. And God, we pray that you would use the people of God, the church, to bless her, that you would use the gifts that you've poured out on each of us to give her strength and encouragement and insight and wisdom and joy. And God, we pray that as the church all together blesses each other with what you've placed inside of us, we pray that your name is honored among us and that the harvest of the kingdom is great by the people that you call by your name. In Jesus we pray, amen. Live, babe. We've been working through Acts for a while, and it's part of, we, we started several, a couple of months ago, um, and it was not really accidental that Acts has led us to this harvest month time, because we're thinking about what it is that the church is at work doing in the world, and not just what the church is at work doing in the world, but what God is at work doing, the, the work that God is already preparing and doing in the world. Paul and, and his friends will go into cities, and they will speak to pagans who've, who don't think that they know anything about this God, and he'll say things like, the God of whom I speak has already blessed your life with all the food that you've ever eaten and all the things that have filled you with joy. Or he'll tell uh, people, God is the one, the God that I speak of is the one that has arranged for you to live in the places that you do and in the times that you do so that you could hear about the, the witness of Jesus. Or he'll go into places and he'll, he'll speak to them about the things that they've already think they know God must be like and He'll tell them some things that they're right about and some things that they are wrong about too. Speak to them about that. And God is everywhere Paul goes. Paul doesn't go anywhere that God has not already been at work. He goes into the world and finds it alive with rumors and whispers of God. He finds a God in which the Holy Spirit is active and, and already bringing people to knowledge of the truth. And Paul just goes into those places and he plays his part for a moment. He reads his script and he bears witness as God has called him to do. God, when, when God was calling him in the very beginning, 
he told Ananias, who would come and baptize Paul, he, he said, I myself will show him the things that he will have to go through for my name. I have chosen him as my instrument to bear witness to the nations, to the Gentiles. And he was tapping into a long running thread in Israel's story. All the way back in, in Genesis, in the, in the 12th chapter, when Abraham was called by God and, and told that he was going to be you know, special to him, they would have a special covenant relationship, that he would be his God, that Abraham, you know, all these things. He speaks to Abraham and says, you will be a blessing, you will, you will be blessed, but your name will also be a blessing to the nations. Paul himself will later recall this and in the book of Galatians write about how the promise to Abraham was that all the nations would be blessed through his offspring. But it wasn't just in that moment of Abraham. In the time of David, First Chronicles chapter 16, there's this moment where they are uh, pronouncing a blessing over, over uh, the, the, the tabernacle. The ark has come back and it's been returned to the tabernacle. And there in that moment, David, praying to God, speaks about how his word, how God's word, would be a light for all of the nations. Isaiah picks up that thread a couple hundred years later and speaks about what it would mean for the, the people who surrounded Israel in the world and who often treated Israel with a lot of hostility. And he would speak about what it would mean for God's people to be a light to the world, a light to the nations, eventually so that people would come and hear the word, even in that space, so that the word would go out from even Jerusalem. When Paul speaks about his work in the world and what it means for him to go from place to place and, and to be a witness to God in all of these nations, He's pulling on that long thread that, that reaches all the way back into Israel's story, all the way back through Isaiah and through David and through Abraham. That God was at work bringing the world to himself. Interestingly, in this moment, though, there is a time when though they have gone out from Jerusalem, there is a time when Paul is returning there. And while he's on this journey back towards Jerusalem, he's interrupted. And it's one of my favorite stories in Scripture. He's with a, a group in Caesarea, and while he's there, it's in uh, Acts chapter 21. If you were in class this morning, you may have talked about this story. We, had a, we have a lot of things going on in class today. But if you're in class this morning, you may have heard this story of a man named Agabus. The church is gathered together, and it's the prophet that comes up. He actually comes from Judea, okay? So he comes from, uh, from that place, and he comes to—he's there in church. And the weirdest—I love this story because it's so weird, and you guys know I love weird church stuff, right? And there's this, this prophet 
that speaks on behalf of God in this moment. Now, he doesn't just get up and say, I have a word from God. I'd like to share it if I can just have the microphone for a moment. Instead, what he does is he almost performs a skit, if you will. Now, I don't know if he did voices like I did last week. You know, that was pretty great. Okay, maybe not. Okay. <laughs> he comes up to Paul. And he rips off his belt. And everybody at church said, oh, how nice. Guest speaker. And Agabus takes Paul's belt and he ties himself up with it. And he stands there in front of the church and everybody at that point was paying attention. <laughs> Nobody was thinking about lunch. And Agabus looks at the gathered church and he says, this is how the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt. And all the church said, amen, amen. That happens, uh, th that's in uh, Acts chapter 21 and verse 11. And there's this moment here, and what we're, what we're witnessing in this space is God speaking to the church about what's happening with Paul. And I have so many questions about this story. We got to explore some of those in our class, in the 40s class today. I know you probably explored some of your own. If you don't read this text and have some questions, you got to read it again, okay? Holy Spirit seems very willing to communicate to them in that space about something that's going to happen without telling them what to do about it. And so the church has to discern in that same spirit. They have to talk about it. And they don't talk about it just calmly and rationally. They're not using Robert, Robert's rules of order here. I would like to make a motion that Paul doesn't go, you know. Instead, Luke describes, and he invests himself in the story at this point. It's one of those points where Luke and Acts speaks from a we perspective. It says, we did everything we could to persuade him not to go. They are weeping. Okay? Look, in, look in verse 12 of Acts 21. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go to Jerusalem. And Paul answered, what are you doing? You are weeping and breaking my heart. Well, this isn't the kind of purely rational, logical kind of conversation. There are people that desperately feel what the Spirit must be saying to Paul is to warn him not to go. And yet Paul himself, the same conviction feels like God is just telling him something about what will happen when he goes. Sometimes when we talk about discerning the Holy Spirit, we don't really know how to deal with that because we almost talk about it like everybody's going to come to the same conclusion. And that sure makes sense. 
hasn't been my experience either. Sometimes we weigh and we try, and even as a community, we discern what the Spirit is saying. And sometimes maybe we come to things like what happened in Acts chapter 15, where James speaking to the church there after they've had this controversy about the Gentile movement, and James speaking there says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. You have this sense that there's this great agreement about it, right? And then sometimes we discern the Holy Spirit together, and we have to come to a space like in this one, where at the end of verse four, in verse 14, it says, Since he would not be persuaded, we remained silent except to say, The Lord's will be done. So they come to a place, and these brothers and sisters think this, and Paul thinks this. Neither side is persuaded. And yet they still come to some sense of peace with each other in it. And oh, may it be that the church learns to act that way. I realize now I don't know what to do with this belt as I move to the next story. Two chapters later, in chapter 23, Paul has made it all the way to Jerusalem at this point, and boy, is the Agabus story coming true. He's already been bound repeatedly and beaten. He's already spoken about what God is doing and what God has done. And he's spoken to some people who gave praise for what God has done. And he's spoken to other crowds that reacted so violently that they pulled him out of the temple and began to beat him. And then ironically, Paul is rescued by the Romans. This story just evolves and develops. But in chapter, in chapter 23 in verse 11, Paul receives another word from God. While he's under arrest and in between these different kinds of things that are happening to him in this process. Read 23.11 with me. It says, That night the Lord stood near him. That night the Lord himself stands near to Paul and then tells him, up your courage for just as you have testified for me in Jerusalem so you must bear witness also in Rome and hold that in context for just a moment let's remember that Acts is full of stories of people who have visions while they're in prison and often they are escorted out. You know, when you read a story like this, you have to remember that the way things happened wasn't the only way things could have happened, right? Perhaps Paul, when he's in this moment, thinks that what's about to happen here is that God will break him out of prison just like Peter was earlier, right? 
Or maybe there will be an earthquake of sorts like has already happened to Paul and Silas in, in, the, in the jail in Philippi, and they'll walk out that way. But instead of what happens in this story, that when Jesus comes to him, he says, Paul, don't give up. Never give up has always been a baptism encouragement for me to people that come up out of the water. A reminder in this moment that Paul's journey goes on. That Paul's journey with Jesus will go on to other places and and the place where it is beginning here in this in Jerusalem, which is the city of the beginnings, right? It's the city where things start and then they move out. The Lord tells Paul here in this moment, just like you have already been giving your testimony here in Jerusalem, you'll do the same in Rome, just as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, you must bear witness also in Rome. Our journey from the beginning unto the end is the story of what it means for us to bear witness. And it's true for individuals who come and sometime at some point have been compelled and the spirit has drawn them and they've learned and they've learned from the, the love of the community and they've learned from the testimony of the word and they've, they've learned that it's seen testimony in different ways. I, I think about the, a moment just a few weeks ago. We've been talking about baptism for so, so many weeks already, okay? And you know, you have that ongoing conversation. You want to know what, a, what one of the moments that that kind of turned a little more intense and Lucy was like, no, we got to talk about this today. My brother Chop over here was baptized a few weeks ago. God did, right, man? I did. You know, some of you may have seen in the story today, you may be seeing the witness of God in this moment, but it's only the beginning. That baptismal moment is a time where we stand before a gathered people of God and we bear witness to what God is at work doing, right? But then we take that story of witness and we move from there. It's not the only moment. It's just the beginning step, right? Just as in Jerusalem, so also in Rome. And just as in the water, so also in the streets. Just as in the baptism tank, so also in the schools. And just as in the sanctuary, so also in the offices. Just as in the pews, so also in the neighborhoods. For the story where God calls us, and today we've borne witness to each other in this moment. Isn't that our work when we sing songs together? 
Isn't that our work when we sing songs and we say shout hallelujah to each other? We say, what was the song that we started with, the Thanksgiving song? Um, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. Yeah, we, we come into this place, which is like a temple to us. It's like a Jerusalem to us. And we come and we give that testimony to each other with our voices. The songs are just a script for the testimony that we bear to each other in the name of Jesus. But just as in the songs, so also with our steps, and so also with all the things that happen in all the suburbs of this city in which we all drive to after we're done. And so also in all the many relationships that we're a part of, as in the church, so in our society, our social circles, in all of the spaces in which we live. And I'm apologetic that it's abstract. I have to talk about it because we're talking about all of you here. But can you finish this for me? Can you pick somebody? Can you pick somebody that's not in this space? And can you complete that sentence for me? As in the church, so with, and just, you know the name, right? As you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so it, you must bear witness also in Rome. And if that sounds a little too general for you, in chapter 27, he will be told specifically, Paul, I am sending you to speak before the emperor. Not just a city, but a person with a name. Beginning of Acts. Jesus himself tells his disciples, you will be my witnesses. The church has to own that and to own what it means and the words that we have to learn to say and the actions that we have to learn to do in all of those different ways that we follow Jesus. How, how do we follow Jesus here? Together. Follow Jesus together. Because just as, as it's true, all the things that I've said about individuals and the way that we bear witness, it's also true about the community of God too. We don't go into all those places by ourselves. We go in twos and threes and the Lord goes with us. And even collectively, we've been thinking about what it means to bear witness in this place together. Because a people some 20 years ago heard the Lord say, just as you have testified for me on Barrow Road, though you must bear witness in the heart of the city, 
And all the things that we're doing here, this Harvest Month thing, it's just about trying to figure all that out, right? About trying to figure out what it means for us to be faithful to the task of bearing witness to our neighbors. Saying together, The Lord Jesus, the crucified and resurrected one, has chosen not to abandon his creation, but instead has given of his own life so that the world might be full of the embrace, the life of God. Today, I think about what it means in all the different spaces for me to bear witness. And in some places, it is easy and it's fun. And in some places, it is harder and more costly. In some places, bearing witness is the most natural thing in the world. It's almost unavoidable. But gone at some other places, I would just rather not. But in those places where it is hard, and you may be in that space right now, I got to tell you today, it's not hard for me today. It's a great and awesome and easy day for me today. Maybe harder for you. And in the days where it is hard, in the days when it may feel like we have wasted our time and we have made some bad decisions, And I want you to hear the other part of that verse one more time. Because when it was the hardest for Paul, when he was in conversations where it seemed like he was chasing his tail and his own people were rejecting the news about the Messiah. He was imprisoned. But he was not alone. Is like the word tells us. In that very night, the Lord came and stood near to him. As difficult as it may be to bear witness, we never bear witness alone. Thanks be to God who in Messiah Jesus and in his Holy Spirit goes with us every step of the way. Let's pray together. Oh, holy God, by the gospel of Jesus, we give you great thanks. We are grateful for your presence, for your work among us, for the witness of your own word. 
And God, we pray. We pray earnestly and deeply that you would move us to be witnesses of your gospel in our world. We pray that you would be with us in our Jerusalems and that you would be with us in our Rome's and that everywhere we go, that the gospel of Jesus would be proclaimed so that you may be honored forever and ever. Amen.